All right. Good morning, everybody. And thank you for joining us here today. And of course, a big thank you to the students and staff here at St. Mary's High School for hosting us today. It was so quiet out there. I had to ask if we actually had kids in the classroom and I was told they're very well behaved. Not like when I was a kid that you normally would see somebody in the hallway because they acted up in class, right? But I'm delighted to be here because St. Mary's has such a rich history in Calgary and it's a real pleasure to be here. So I'm thrilled to be here with Demetrius Nicolaides, our Minister of Education, Pete Guthrie, our Minister of infrastructure to share how budget 2024 is investing in Alberta students their families and communities and ultimately in Alberta's future we also have are joined by a number of our Calgary MLAs including Eric Bouchard Mike Ellis Tanya Fur, Miles McDougall Peter Singh and uh, Muhammad Yassin I'm also glad that Shannon Cook and Laura Hack board chairs of the Calgary Catholic School District and the Calgary Board of Education are here with us today and I was also surprised to see that uh, Julie Kusiak, the chair of the Edmonton Public School Board, is also here with us today. Because today is a great day. We are investing in a bright future for our children with new and modernized schools and enhanced learning supports for students of all abilities. In this year's budget, we continue to invest in our education system, and that means additional funding to improve and expand education infrastructure so that students, teachers, and communities benefit from new, modernized, and well-maintained schools and classrooms. Our responsible plan means looking at the top provincial priorities in the fastest growing areas and the communities where they are needed most. You can see it in the $2.1 billion we're investing over three years, 8% of our total capital plan funding to build and modernize schools, construct modular classrooms and support the expansion of collegiate and public charter schools as well. They are these are significant dollars, and we're proud to do it. I know Minister Nicolaides will be talking about the different areas of this funding in the days and weeks ahead, but I'd like to take a moment just to highlight a few of the investments. We've allocated $1.9 billion for the planning, design, or construction of new schools or to modernize existing facilities in our communities. We've earmarked $103 million for modular classrooms to increase increase classroom spaces quickly and to help address immediate needs of today's students. And we budgeted $123 million to support the infrastructure needs of collegiates and public charter schools so that parents can make the educational choices that are best for their kids. Uh, in addition, the capital plan includes $381 million for the capital maintenance and renewal program. Today's investments in new schools and modernized spaces will benefit students and communities for decades to come in Calgary and its surrounding communities in Edmonton and the capital region and in communities across northern, central and southern Alberta. Today's investments mean that 43 priority school projects across the province will move ahead, with 19 of these projects approved for full construction funding, 16 for design funding, and 8 for planning funding. And these investments also mean 35,000 new and modernized student spaces, all while creating jobs and revitalizing Alberta's communities. The, I'm incredibly proud of the work that we're doing to build and modernize schools across the province. It truly is a responsible plan for our growing province, and I'll turn things over to Minister Nicolaides to provide additional detail on his capital plan. Thank you. Minister. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you, Premier, and uh, as well, thank you to the incredible staff uh, and students here at St. Mary's uh, for uh, letting us uh, use your space and to make uh, today's important announcement. Thank you as well to all of my colleagues, uh, our incredible MLAs that are here today to, uh, uh, to support this important announcement, the trustees from Calgary Catholic, Calgary Public, 
and superintendents and other staff, uh, thank you immensely for all the work that you do. And just on that note, uh, a quick thank you and shout out to all of our amazing teachers, educational assistants, and other support staff for the amazing work that you do every single day to help ensure that we have a world-class education system in our amazing province. I'm truly grateful for the strong partnership that we have between Alberta's government and our local school authorities. I also, uh, 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 together, I should mention apologies, we are working hard to ensure that we build an education system that empowers and inspires young learners. And in this process, we are helping generations of young Albertans follow their dreams and realize their full potential. So as the Premier mentioned, Budget 24 provides $381 million this year alone to move 43 projects forward. 28 of these projects will be new schools in our fastest-growing communities. Of the 35,000 new spaces that will be created under this plan, over 80% of those spaces will be in Calgary and Edmonton. For the Calgary metropolitan area, 18 new schools are on their way that will add 16,000 new student spaces. Rocky View School Division will receive full construction funding for two new K-8 schools in Airdrie and one new school in Cochrane. They will also receive design funding for a new high school in Airdrie and a new K-9 school in Chestermere. The Calgary Board of Education will receive full construction funding for a new elementary school in Evanston and, as well, full construction funding for the modernization of the Annie Gale School. Design funding for a new school in Cornerstone and a new elementary school in Redstone is also being provided in this budget. Calgary Board of Education will also receive planning funding for a new junior high school in Saddle Ridge. Calgary Catholic will receive full funding for two new schools a new high school in Rangeview in southeast Calgary, and a new K-9 school in Chestermere. They'll also be receiving design funding for a new elementary school in Redstone and a new high school in West Calgary. Foothill School Division will also receive design funding for a new high school in Okotoks, and Franco Sud will also receive design funding for a new elementary school and planning uh, for a new elementary school in North Calgary. For the Edmonton metropolitan area, 13 new schools are on their way. That will create 12,500 new spaces. Edmonton public schools will receive full construction funding for a new high school in Glenriding Heights and design funding for a new elementary school also in Glenriding Heights, a new elementary school in Rosenthal, and a new junior high in McConaughey. They will also receive planning funding for a replacement of Delton School and a replacement of Spruce Avenue School. Edmonton Catholic School Board will receive full construction funding for a new K-9 school in Cristalina Nera, a new K-9 school in Hayes Ridge, a new K-9 school in Heritage Valley, and a replacement school in Rundle. They will also receive design funding for a new K-9 school in Laurel and a new K-9 school in Rivers Edge. And lastly, Black Gold School Division will also receive full construction funding to modernize the Corinthia Park School in Leduc. In addition, 6,500 additional spaces will be created in communities outside of the Calgary and Edmonton regions, with more details about those projects to come shortly from the local MLAs. 
By investing in our schools, we are ensuring that students here in Calgary, in Edmonton, and across our amazing province will continue to receive a world-class education. Thank you, and it's now my pleasure to invite my colleague, Minister Guthrie, our Minister of Infrastructure, to provide his remarks. Thank you again. Well, good morning, everybody. It's nice to be here today with uh, Premier Smith and Minister Nicolaides and uh, all of our distinguished uh, guests. Thank you to our host, St. Mary's High School, along with Calgary Catholic, for having us here. It's a great time to be in Alberta with our finance minister, Nate Horner, introducing another balanced budget just yesterday with a projected surplus, uh, I might add. And I'm excited because that very budget provides the go-ahead for my department to build dozens of new schools for generations of students to come. And as you've just heard, our government is investing a total of $2.1 billion into constructing and modernizing schools all over Alberta, including $350 million right here in Calgary. We got an announcement? <laughs> <laughs> These dollars will help ensure that young Albertans have access to the world-class facilities that they deserve. And infrastructure projects such as the 44 newly approved schools in Budget 24 and the almost 100 now ongoing across the province support jobs and enhance our communities. We know that Alberta has seen significant growth and it's our priority to get students into classrooms as quickly as possible. And I'm thrilled that today's announcement includes funding for four school projects in my constituency of Airdrie Cochrane, and I know the minister uh, mentioned those, but I think it's worth pumping the tires uh, just a little bit more on that. Uh, so those schools are full construction for two new K-8 schools in Airdrie and one in Cochrane, as well as design funding for a new high school in Airdrie. And that's in addition to three schools that are about to begin construction this year between Calgary Catholic, Franco Sud, and Rocky View School Divisions. Over the next few years, tens of thousands of Alberta students will benefit from the new school projects that we intend to construct. And in fact, by the end of 2024, we expect 11 schools to be completed, ready to have kids fill those halls. From border to border, capital projects are underway in various stages of planning, design, and construction, all of which will have huge economic and community benefits. And it's a pleasure to be working with Minister Nicolaitis to deliver on this heavy agenda. And thank you, Premier, for the opportunity to work with such a knowledgeable and enthusiastic team that I have in the Department of Infrastructure. And with that, uh, I would like to, and it's my pleasure, to introduce uh, Shannon Cook. First things first, is the microphone at the right level? Okay, it is. Here we go. Uh, thank you, Minister Guthrie. I'm Shannon Cook, the chair of the Board of Trustees for Calgary Catholic. It's a pleasure to welcome you here at St. Mary's High School today. Uh, I'd also like to extend a special welcome to Premier Smith, uh, Minister Nicolades, Minister Guthrie, all of the MLAs that are here. I'm so happy to see them as well. Um, Board Chair Hack and Board Chair Kuzik. 
she gave me a lesson on her name. I don't think I got it right, but I'm working on it, working on it. Um, I would also like to um, pre- uh, just point out uh, Trustee Ivanelli, Trustee Martin, Trustee D'Souza, who are also from uh, the uh, Calgary Catholic, uh, trustees for Calgary Catholic. Today we gather at not only Calgary Catholic's first school, but the city of Calgary's first school. St. Mary's School opened its doors in 1885, nearly 140 years ago. Fast forward more than a century. Tradition, high academic standards, and a welcoming school spirit continue to fill St. Mary's hallways, classrooms, and the minds and hearts of its students and staff. As evidenced in this school, student success continues to be a priority for the Calgary Catholic School District. Educators have an incredibly important job, empowering young men and women to become active and caring leaders in our communities so that one day they will perhaps be sitting in these chairs at the front, providing leadership and making incredibly important announcements at events such as this. On behalf of the Calgary Board of Trustees, I want to sincerely thank the Government of Alberta for investing in infrastructure to support and empower our students. We are grateful to receive full construction funding for our top priority projects, a new high school in in the southeast community of Rangeview and a K-9 school in Chestermere. We are also grateful for design funding for a new elementary school in the northeast community of Redstone and a new West Calgary High School. We look forward to working with the government to get shovels in the ground on these projects as quickly as possible. These projects require urgent attention given the critical need for school infrastructure and Calgary Catholic's high utilization rates in these communities. The reality is that Calgary Catholic has many growing communities in the diverse urban, rural, and metro municipalities we serve, which includes not only Calgary, but also Airdrie, Chestermere, Cochrane, and Rocky View County. Like many school districts in our province, the Calgary Catholic School District is experiencing rapid growth. Our enrollment numbers grow almost daily. We are facing budgetary challenges, increased student complexity and need, and many of our schools, particularly our high schools, are operating well above capacity. Today's capital plan announcement will help address the ongoing pressures of growing enrollment in our schools. These projects will reduce transportation transportation times for many of our students and increase student access to quality, faith-filled Catholic education close to where they live. Schools are essential to healthy communities, and they play an important part in welcoming the large amount of people who are coming to this province with their families, hoping to take part in the prosperity of Alberta. Part of that prosperity is access to public, high-quality education for their children and their future children. Calgary Catholic is one of the most successful school districts in the province and the third largest in the province. We work to provide the highest quality programs that educate and empower approximately 63,000 students from kindergarten to grade 12 and support our vision of students knowing Christ and realizing their full potential. 
We will continue to work with the provincial government to make our operating realities clear and to ensure that investment for school districts is sustainable, equitable, and keeps pace with enrollment growth and inflation, while also supporting our students' diverse needs. Again, sincere thank you for the um, project announcements today. So thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Trustee Laura Hack, who is the Chair of the Board of Trustees of Calgary Board of Education. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Premier, Ministers, MLAs, uh, uh, Board Chairs here today. Thank you so much for attending. On behalf of the board, uh, Calgary Board of Education, Board of Trustees, students, staff, families, I'd like to thank the Government of Alberta for today's capital announcement. These investments in infrastructure are vital to support student learning opportunities across our system. We are pleased to receive the top priority from our 2024-2027 capital plan with full funding for the construction of a new elementary school in the community of Evanston. This will provide a school for some of our youngest learners within the community where they reside. We're also grateful to see the financial commitment to move forward into the design phase of a new high school in the community of Cornerstone. This high school is very much needed for our students in the far northeast corner of the city, and this ensures that they can attend classes closer to home. We're pleased to see the new middle school for Saddle Ridge, as well as the Annie Gale School modernization, move into the next phase of funding. We look forward to the design work beginning for new elementary school in the community of Redstone. As grateful as we are for today's announcements, we still have a critical need for more learning spaces. Over the past two years, Calgary Board of Education has welcomed more than 13,000 additional students to our system. That's enough to fill more than 22 elementary schools. And we continue to enroll students every day. In the coming weeks, the Board of Trustees will turn its attention to CBE's capital plan priorities for the 2025 to 2028. This three-year plan is available on our website and highlights that we will be asking government for even more schools going forward. We'll work closely with Minister Nicolaitis and Minister Guthrie to discuss the ongoing capital needs and pressure points for Calgary and at the Calgary Board of Education. Thank you again for the announcements today, and we look forward to working together to provide quality learning spaces for all CBE students. I'd like to invite the Chair for Edmonton Public, Julie Cusack. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It is great to be down in Calgary today for this announcement. Thank you to Premier Smith, Minister Nicolaides, Minister Guthrie, Board of Chair, Board Chairs uh, Cook and Hack, as well as other distinguished guests here. Um, Today's announcement, in my mind, is about two stories. The first story is about growth. Lots of growth. Recently, I visited a K-9 school on Edmonton South Side that is operating at well over 100% capacity. The nearby high school in the area is also operating at 100%. Prospective students who live in the surrounding neighborhoods enter into a lottery 
just to see if they can get in. For those who do not make it through the lottery process, we bus to other schools that are much further away. So at this school, here's what I saw. A food lab doubling as a science lab. Can you imagine? I mean, I wouldn't want to be the class who is tasked with solving complex scientific equations while the, with the lingering smell of chocolate chip cookies from the food class just prior. I mean, can you imagine that? I also saw a bustling library with students reading books while other students were working on construction projects with cordless drills in another corner of the same library. And the staff room? It's become a space where students gather for classes while teachers eat their lunches in the hallways. None of this is ideal, but it's what we do to make things work as we grow. Today's announcement acknowledges some of the growth pressures we are facing as a division. The full construction funding for the new grades 7 to 12 school in Glen Ridding in that area of Edmonton is welcome news. It will add 2,400 much-needed student spaces to an area of the city that desperately needs it. It will help these two schools I just spoke of. Thank you to the Premier and to the Ministers for recognizing our story of growth. This leads me to the second story, the story of renewal. Just as important as growth is our collective task to create modern, updated learning spaces in mature neighbourhoods something that Edmonton Public Schools Board of Trustees has long advocated for. 17 years ago, Spruce Avenue first appeared in our capital plan. 15 years ago, Delton School was added to our capital plan. And while Spruce Avenue and Delton continued to wait their turn on our capital list, we've witnessed students and staff who are unable to use this facility. Picture this multiple changes in flooring height, no reasonable option to retrofit ramps or a lift. The result? A space that is inaccessible for students, staff, and families with mobility challenges. Imagine replacement schools that are welcoming and inclusive for all. That's what today's announcement opens the door to. Today we can begin planning and I know that new schools in these areas will make a tremendous difference in the lives of students and staff. Our Board of Trustees has long championed the need for sustainable, predictable, and adequate funding for education and for school infrastructure. With over 5,000 students joining our division every year and an anticipated increase of 60,000 in the next decade, the demand for new schools, as well as modernizations, is clear. We foresee the need for 50 new schools to accommodate this growth in the next 10 years. So announcements, like the one today, is a step in the right direction. So thank you to the Premier and Ministers for today's announcement, which acknowledges the story of both our need for new construction and modernized space. Our Board looks forward to continuing to work with you as we meet the challenges ahead and continue to provide world-class public education in Alberta. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now enter the media Q&A portion of this announcement. We'll start off with questions in the room here if you want to make your way to the mic. A reminder, we'll be doing one question, one follow-up today, and then we'll head over to the phones. We'll go to the mic first. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Tyson Fedora with CTV Premier. Uh, this one for you. Um, 
Just on renewables, CEPAW has released a map this week of what it looks like when it comes to the 35-kilometer buffer zones when it comes to new projects uh, in the future. There's not a lot of space, especially in southern Alberta. It's mainly north of Grand Prairie or in central eastern Alberta out towards Medicine Hat. Um, have you seen that map, first of all? And secondly, is there the potential that regulations could change in the future or consider changing them in the future if it warrants it? Well, I think that map says a lot more about what Pembina thinks the sterilization zone should be versus us. We have talked about scenic vistas, UNESCO heritage sites, and I think it's pretty obvious where those would be. If you look at the fact that we've got Jasper National Park, Banff National Park, Waterton National Park, all you have to do is draw a line out about 35 kilometers from there to get an idea of what the true buffer zone is going to be. Now, there may be other areas that are able to argue that they have similar uh, majestic and tourism attributes. But I would say that that's an overstatement, and that's certainly not the intention of the uh, Utilities and Affordability Minister. He's working on an accurate map. He thinks he'll be able to have that in the, in the coming days. But that, uh, that map is absolutely not accurate. Uh, second one on the budget for a colleague here, just uh, about the budget showing how you guys are investing and saving without borrowing it. It can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you previously cited Norway as a model of what Alberta's savings fund could potentially amount to. That country taxes its energy industry nearly 80%. Uh, have you considered change potentially to the tax bracket when it comes to that here in this province? Well, look, I mean, Norway has nationalized their industry. They've got a state oil company. We, we've taken a different approach. We, we believe that we want to work in partnership with our energy companies to develop with a very generous amount that they give us and not only uh, corporate income taxes as well as royalties, but also all the personal tax uh, revenue that they generate. So we're, we're not uh, thinking of going in that direction, no. Um, the, uh, the other thing I, I would say is that we believe that because we're a low ch- tax jurisdiction, that that attracts more investment here. And so that's the model that we want to pursue is to, we want to make sure that we've got more opportunities for jobs and growth to increase corporate tax revenue because we've got more taxpayers and to increase personal tax revenue because we've got more personal income taxpayers. What I would say is just uh, doing some of the modeling on compound interest. That, that's what I'm asking people to do. And you can, I play with, I said, does no one play with Excel spreadsheets? I play with Excel spreadsheets all the time. All you have to do is look at what that fund could grow to. If it's invested maybe a little bit more aggressively and you're getting 7 or 8% annual return, uh, if you get 7% return, the amount that we have in there can double on its own within 10 years. And it could then double again 10 years after that. So we're on track when uh, just a few years ago, it was only $17 billion. By the end of next year, it'll be approaching $25 billion. So double that, you get to 50. Double it again, you get to 100. You can very easily see how by 2050, just by keeping the investment income in the fund, we get to $100 billion. Now, last year, we were able to put almost a billion in. This year, we're putting another $2 billion in. If we can continue that kind of pace of, of development or, or deposit, then there's uh, every reason to believe that we can hit a 250 to $400 billion target with, without it impacting the, uh, the important inf- investment that we have to do in schools and hospitals and uh, social services and growth. So I, I would just encourage people to, um, to, to look at the, 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 the power of compound interest to understand why it is we have such confidence that we'll be able to get there. Thank you. We have another question in the room here. Of course we have another question. Mr. Bell. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, since I'm in this uh, legendary high school, I... Uh, I have to confess, I was real lousy at math when I was in high school. 
You don't play with Excel spreadsheets. I, I do not. I was thinking of that quote. Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> don't spend my time playing with Excel spreadsheets. Um, so I have a bit of a math question. It's an easy one, though. There's no numbers involved directly. You talked about in your TV address and revealed in the budget that, you know, it's not an austerity budget, but it's a, a budget with some restraint, and they're spending lower than uh, inflation and population growth. So this might confuse people because... Um, how are you planning, without going into all the details, but generally speaking, how are you planning on dealing with all the demands that come from inflation and mm -hmm. all the demands that come from a growing population while not spending as much as the rate of inflation and the rate of population growth? We, we have to, to, to do some hard work over the, the next few years because one of the things that I would observe that I've learned in the last couple of years is that by um, having a target where we would limit year-over-year -year increases to spending and population growth, if our revenues aren't growing that fast, then we're just going to end up ultimately being in deficit position. Now, our long-term revenues grow at a rate of about 3% per year. And so that's one thing that we just have to be mindful of, is that if our long-term revenues are growing at 3% per year, we need to be matching our expenses to be about 3% per year. That's what I'm asking Albertans to understand, the, the challenge that we have. If we, if we want to continue to run balanced budgets, and I believe we do, I think that was the main platform commitment we made, is that we would run balanced budgets, there, then um, we, we have to find an alternative way to be able to bring more revenue in. What I've proposed that alternative way would be is by investing in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. And at some future point, a future government is going to be able to use some of those funds to, to be able to reduce our, our reliance on resource revenue. I, I wish we could get there fast. It, it does take a little bit of time. But that's the, the model that I'm putting for, forward is let's restrain our year-over-year -year growth so that it matches what our year-over-year -year revenue growth is. Let's build a new source of revenue from the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Now, you know, doesn't, you just can look through at the different line items and see where the, uh, the biggest um, expenditure items are. And so what we're looking at is slowing the rate of increase there. Is there a way for us to have patients treated in different facilities that would allow us to be able to treat more patients, but perhaps at a lower cost? Because what I have, have discovered is that, uh, all, as I've said before, all roads lead to the acute care beds in hospitals. We um, just did an analysis. I've mentioned this in speeches. I don't know if I've mentioned it in a, media, in a press conference yet. But we just did an assessment to find out how many patients are awaiting placement in alternative levels of care. That means a continuing care facility. It means potentially um, getting their home renovated so they can go home. It means home care. It means rental housing if they're poor. It means uh, mental health treatment, addiction treatment. We have 1,547 patients in acute care beds who are awaiting placement in a more appropriate facility. So if you consider that 1,547 patients are costing $1,500 per day, that is part of the reason. If we can, if we can make sure that we're, they're placed in a more appropriate facility to bring those costs down, that's the way you can treat more patients without it having an escalation in cost. That's the hard work that we have to do. That's what I'm challenging my committee that's working on this. Jason Nixon with uh, Seniors Community and Social Services, Dan Williams with Mental Health and Addiction, and Adriana LaGrange to work together to make sure we've got the right patient in the right place, receiving the right 
uh, service. So that's one of the examples. And I think getting a handle on healthcare and all of the ways in which we can um, give better service delivery, but not necessarily massively increasing costs, that, that's the hard work we have to do over the next year. And because I've been around since the dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, the second question is about you and about how committed you are or how determined you are to stick to this plan. I'm anticipating who knows what will happen, but let's say this plan goes ahead and you're sticking to it. You've, I've been to the places where there's 10,000 people outside, at the, outside the legislature banging on the doors, calling Ralph Klein in his case, but it could be anybody, down for the position that they were taking. And that's when he said, as you know, I ain't going to blink. How committed are you to standing fast, even if the polls maybe aren't favorable, or there's 10,000 people outside, or there's a strike, or whatever? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying these are going to happen. But if they do happen, and I've seen it in the past, this kind of opposition, how committed are you to staying the course on this plan come hell or high water. We have to. We have to for the benefit of future generations. We can't spend every single dollar today on today's needs and wants. We have to start putting money aside so that we're preparing for what the world might look like in 20 or 30 years. I'm just asking everyone, including members of our public service, to accept that we're all in this together, that we want to make sure that we have an environment where I can start reducing personal income taxes. And to do that, we have to have a little bit of restraint so that we can all benefit. Um, we have to also uh, understand that we're going to continue to grow. So we have to hire more teachers and education assistants and nurses and doctors. But we also have to find better ways of, of, of managing the patient load so that we can continue to pace that growth at a, at a pace that we can afford. But look, I, I've been pretty ambitious in saying that we should aspire to be the second largest province, that we should aspire to double our population. So that means that we will see an increase um, in everything that we're talking about here today, schools. It will mean that we need an increase in frontline workers, but we're just going to have to do our work a little bit differently so that we're putting it in the, uh, the priority on the front line. And so that's, that's what I'm hoping. I hope that everybody's going into this with a spirit of cooperation and collaboration, and we're all in this together. It benefits all of us if we can make sure that we've got a measured pace of growth so that we can invest where we need to, but we can also keep our low-tax environment. Thank you. We'll take one more from the room before heading uh, to Hannah the from City News. A quick maths question from the minister, please. Uh, the, uh, the press release we've gotten says 28 new schools. Uh, the information you gave us, 18 new schools in Calgary and 13 in Edmonton, that doesn't add up to 28, if you could Correct. Yeah, that. There, there are additional projects that uh, we'll be announcing in the coming days in other communities outside of Calgary and Edmonton. So what would be the total new schools in Calgary and Edmonton then? The total new schools, we have 18 uh, in terms of full construction or in terms of uh, identified projects. We have 18 new schools that we have identified as priority projects for the Calgary metropolitan area and uh, 13 new schools for the Edmonton metropolitan area. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll now head over to the phones. Operator, can you put through the first caller, please? First question is from Chris Farco, Calgary Herald. Please go ahead. Hi, this is a question for the Premier. Premier, the budget shows a very small surplus of only $367 million this year and $1.4 billion next year. Realistically, how much breathing room do you have 
and what is your commitment to remain in surplus if the growth projections or oil projections uh, don't uh, come up to what your expectations are? Yeah, my, uh, you know, I have to tell you, my finance minister is nervous um, because we don't know what oil and gas prices are, are going to look like over the coming years. Um, we've, we've seen uh, long periods of time where they have been well below what the levels they are now, which is why he and I are highly motivated to find that new revenue source, that uh, investment in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund that will ultimately grow to a point where it can be providing a replacement for those resource revenues. It's, it's why we, we're just, I'm, con, I'm concerned this might be our last shot at it. And we have to make sure that we're stewarding those, those resources well. That being said, we also know that we have gotten into a practice over the last probably 15 years of seeing our expenses grow faster than our revenues. And so we're in a position now where when we want to make some of the course correction, it's, it's, a, it's hard to get people used to the idea of seeing their, their revenues or their, um, the amount that we contribute to them grow at a slower rate. But we have to do it. We have to start somewhere. So last year, we had a 5.7% year-over-year increase for operations. This year, is 3.9%. And then next year, it's going to be even smaller. So that's um, we're, we're going to pace it so that everybody gets used to finding constructive ways of being able to reallocate their current budget so that they can move from low-priority areas to high-priority areas. We're, we're sending that signal very strongly. Um, I also am sensitive to the argument that being made by my health minister that sometimes there's a double-up. Sometimes you have to pay for the system that you've got and put new money in so that you can start developing the system that you want to move to. So that's why we're investing in primary care and continuing care and mental health and addiction, um, because we know that ultimately those investments are going to reduce costs elsewhere, but you don't realize it all at once. So I, uh, I am very concerned about what is happening with oil and gas prices internationally. Uh, we I continue to, to watch with uh, concern about the trans, the trouble with Trans Mountain Pipeline getting it to the finish line. I'm still crossing my fingers that it's going to be on track for Q3. That increase is not only our export capacity, but will also re, uh, reduce the, the, uh, the differential between Western Canada Select and WTI. Coastal Gas Link is complete. We're just waiting for the development of LNG projects. So there, there are a number of things on the horizon that I think should give us some room for optimism. But my view and my finance minister's view is let's realize the surpluses and then talk about how we're going to allocate them as opposed to hoping for the surpluses and spending them today. So we are, we're taking a measured approach this year. We know we've got a lot of work to do on, uh, on uh, reducing the year-over-year increase in spending, um, but, we're, um, but we, I think we're also very optimistic that because we've created such a great environment for people to want to live here, work here, invest here, that we're going to, to be able to see some of that come to fruition in, a, in the next year. We're, so we're, we're hopeful, but we're, we're going to make sure that we realize those dollars before we spend them. Just to follow up, today the CEO of Big Energy said that uh, they've received a call from Trans Mountain Corporation to begin the line fill mm-hmm. on the Trans Mountain expansion. How important is it for the province's finances and for your surplus projections to see Trans Mountain move ahead this mm-hmm. year without further delays? Well, that's uh, good news to hear that. It sounds like they may have resolved the problem with the obstruction that, that uh, they, they uh, encountered in the last few weeks. Uh, here's w- what I would say. I mean, just doing the math on some of it, 
is that if if we are now seeing an increase in our um, production by 600,000 barrels per day, uh, you could just do the math on on that. It's about $75 a barrel, I believe, Canadian. And then we get a, about one-third of that in royalties. So that's a pretty significant number. But on top of that, uh, I met with the uh, Pathways Project uh, proponents, and one of the things that we expect to happen is that the differential between uh, Western Canada Select and WTI should narrow, and that could potentially also result in billions of dollars of additional revenue. So uh, I think those are very optimistic um, uh, that's a very optimistic future. Again, because those are one-time revenues, we want to make sure that we're using them appropriately, using them, for instance, to pay down debt, which is, as we realize, surpluses, 50% will go to debt. And then the remaining uh, 50% can be used for other things, more debt repayment, uh, deposits to the Heritage Savings Trust Fund so that we can grow it for the future, but also one-time spending so that we can accelerate some of the things that we're talking about here today. I mean, the minister has told me, because I know that we're sort of developing the advancement and rolling out the advancement of these projects, but we've got 98 schools in, the, in, in various stages of development. 98 schools in various stages of development. You just heard from the Edmonton board chair that her school district alone is going to need 50. So if I'm doing some quick math on that, that's probably 70 in Edmonton alone, so probably a similar amount in Calgary, and then add on you know, another 40 for the rest of the province. So we, we know that, that we have a lot of work that we need to do to build schools to keep up with this over the next 10 years. And so as those dollars become available through surpluses, we can accelerate some of these uh, construction projects. But we, we do still need to realize the surplus first. We need to make sure that we stay true to running a balanced budget, being prudent in our year-over-year spending growth, and then when we end up getting some of the windfalls that happen because of the, the projects that we're talking about, then we can accelerate on, on some of the projects that we, we know are in the queue. Thank you. Chris, operator, could you put through the next caller, please? The next question is from Alana Smith, Global Mail. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, Premier Smith, I wanted to ask you a bit about wildfires. Of course, uh, from everything we're seeing, this wildfire season could be on par with last season, which of course was the worst that Alberta has ever seen, or perhaps even worse than that. And it obviously increases the likelihood that we'll have to dip into the province's contingency fund again. So I'm wondering, you know, natural disasters, particularly wildfires, they're becoming a constant in Alberta. So why does Alberta still use the contingency fund, which of course was established as more of a cushion for unexpected expenses to cover costs related to these sort of things? Well, it's a combination of both. I mean, l- look, we, we, we know that there are going to be extraordinary years. I, when I was in politics last time, the extraordinary event was the, the, the High River and Southern Alberta floods. Uh, and then there have been many years where flooding has been very localized and relatively manageable. Then we've had full years where we haven't had to engage um, emergency response when it comes to fires. And last year was was truly extraordinary with 2.2 million hectares burned, which was double uh, the, 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 the next highest season. So what you'll see is that this combination of both, that we are uh, ensuring that forestry and parks has more of the resources so that we can be fighting those fires. So uh, Todd has done, um, You can. we'll get uh, Todd to, Todd's department to follow up with you on where we find ourselves, but I believe we're starting fire season prep early. We're adding more uh, fighters to the, firefighters to the, uh, to the roster, training them up so that we're in a position where we, I believe we have 1,200 firefighters by the time we get to, to mid-April. We're also going to be investing in new water bomber equipment so that we can not only be prepared for 
for fighting fires here, but also uh, lend uh, lend that to the the the, uh, our, our, the other jurisdictions, and we have a larger contingency fund, knowing that if it is as bad as last year, then we will be able to have that that buffer to be able to pay for it, and if it isn't then that becomes also dollars that will go to surplus that can go to debt repayment, Heritage Savings Trust Fund, or accelerating some of the the projects that we're talking about today. So I I think that the minister made a a wise decision in shoring up forestry and parks to to prepare them, but also in making sure we had a larger contingency fund. You you just can't... um, We we won't always have a a $2.9 billion disaster like we did last year. Um, and so we, we ha- I think, in, in fact, uh, planning on, a, on a, a, a certain amount of base funding for the, for the, uh, year, for the uh, a typical season is, is a prudent, but then also making sure we have a substantial contingency so that we're never caught out is, uh, is the wise way of going about it. And did you have a follow-up, Elena? I do think some, I understand, you know, natural disasters in general are pretty unpredictable, right? But if, if history repeats itself, we're going to see floods, wildfires, droughts, like these costs are going to come every year pretty much. So I'm wondering why not just establish an annual line item in the budget, you know, directly towards natural disasters, other than, as you say, like, we have this backup fund that can go into contingency. Why not just an annual line item? Well, I, I guess I just, I, I don't know that that is the case. We don't always have a $2 billion disaster every single year. Um, and so I, I think, again, making sure that we've got a, a contingency that's healthy enough to be able to pay for that. Remember, too, that in, in disasters, the federal government also assists us in in paying us a portion of the disaster recovery costs. So we uh, will put money up front, and then they will often compensate us to, to be able to cost share on that. There's also a lot of work that we could be doing on mitigation. I know that uh, Todd has announced another $5 million to help build fire breaks around communities, fire guards. And that's essential because the big issue that we have when we have these really catastrophic years is when the fire jumps from the um, the, wild, the, uh, the the forested areas or the grassland areas into a city, and then you have to start doing structural firefighting. So we were so pleased to be able to avoid that last year. And I can tell you he's going to be doing a whole lot more of that, making sure that we, we have those fire guards built. Um, and in a, you know, at, at, in addition, in future years, when we're talking more about flood risk as opposed to drought risk, as we are this year, we'll, we'll also have to be doing the same kind of mitigation efforts to, to protect the uh, communities at, that are at risk of flood. I mean, Springbank Dam, Dry Dam has been, uh, has been built here. We're looking at a solution on the bow down in High River. All of the mitigation work has been done down there. And so we've, we've got to make sure that we're doing those kinds of things to avoid the kind of really costly disasters when you end up with unpredictable, unpredictable years. So that's the, the approach that we're taking. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not one or the other, it's both. Thank you, Lana. And we have time for one more question. Operator, could you put through the next caller, please? The next question is from Joanne Skalski, CTV. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you so much for taking my question, either for the Premier or Education Minister. I'm hoping to get some clarity on the funding for private schools. Uh, total funding for private schools and early childhood service operators will increase to about $408 million this year in the budget. It also appears funding for private schools and um, early childhood centers is increasing at four times the rate of K-12 spending for public schools. I'm wondering if you can explain that decision and if you can break down how much of that funding is going to private schools versus the early school operators. 
Sure. Uh, I don't have the breakdown uh, in front of me at the moment, but I'd be very happy to follow up with you and get you some more of those details. Um, uh, of course, we have a commitment as a government to ensuring that we're supporting choice in education. That's something that our government firmly believes in. And uh, we want to make sure that there is uh, funding available to a variety of different uh, educational partners and providers, uh, be they private schools, charter schools, uh, and or others, to ensure that they can deliver programming as well. Uh, and that being said, uh, we are also uh, aggressively increasing uh, operating funding to our public school divisions. Uh, we're increasing funding by 4.4%. Uh, that's just under $400 million. And of course, uh, we, we come up with these assumptions based on the projections that our school boards provide to us about future enrollment needs, and, and we look to be able to provide funding to support that. Uh, so happy to provide uh, and follow up with you about a specific breakdown as you've requested. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, my follow-up question for the Premier. You've talked today about growth and the need to increase supports over time, but using government data for population and inflation, it appears over this budget cycle, spending per Albertan in education will actually decrease by 7%. So how can you ask people to come to Alberta, bringing their families and their children, while not funding that for them and for that growth in our school? Well, look, as I said, we, we have to, to find ways to, to be able to make sure that we can live within the year-over-year -year increases in our revenue. And I, I'm, I'm very keen to work with school boards to find out the ways in which we can assist in, in making that happen. So um, what will that look like in the future? Um, maybe we make, uh, uh, maybe we have a, a bit more uh, support that we're doing, for instance, through early childhood education. That's a brand new program that's going to cost $3.8 billion over the next number of years. Uh, maybe that is going to be one of the ways in, in which we're going to be able to, to support uh, education growth, but in a, a bit of a different way. So I, I think we have to be mindful that uh, we don't have to keep on doing everything exactly as we've always done it, that there, there may be ways that we're able to find um, uh, efficiencies in, in how we approach it. But I have to tell you, we, we, we can't keep on spending year over year at a rate that is uh, double or more what our year-over-year -year increase in revenues are. We, we heard from Albertans loud and clear, they do not want tax increases. They actually want tax cuts. And as a result, that means that that's our marching orders. We've, we've got to make sure that we can live within the me very substantial means that we get from Albertans and that we've got to find new ways of doing business so that we can uh, continue to grow but not, not see our expenses year-over-year -year outstrip what we can afford to pay. Perfect. Thank you, Shay. And that's all the time we have for questions Thanks, today. Everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.